2019 is over. New year, new me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm so sick. I'm Eliza Jansen. I'm Meg Jansen. I am Noah Jansen. Welcome to Twin Picks. I'm the only one that's not sick and I will be using it. Hi. <laughs> Gosh, I love movies. show where normally a pair of actual real-life human twins and also their other sister, me, make a double feature out of two movies that share some kind of similarity and decide which one does its job better. But whoa, today, whoa, not today, not today, not today, not today, because <laughs> cool oh, it's the end of year wrap up. Yeah, do it will seem so yesterday. Just getting on for yeah, this is gonna be so fun. We're I am gonna, like, so excited and talk about our favorite movies of the year and how the year went up. Exactly. Yeah. Do we enjoy? What did we think of 2019 uh, uh, in the uh, realm of movies? What do we think about the output this year? Movie-wise, I thought it was really strong year. Movie-wise, I thought it was great. Because when you look at looking at us, Personally, the sickness in her eyes, I feel like a the- piece of shit. <laughs> you said today this is like one of the roughest years of your life. This year has been a train wreck. At the time of listening. I will be the best version of myself, but at the time of recording, I'm still a piece of shit. This, so this is actually the most self-deprecating Meg's ever ever been. Meg was uh, waking me up at six a.m., pacing in a state of crisis, and like, just being I like, just, "No, but we have to I am a piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> oh, because God. someone's had a big oh, night. What, meanwhile, Eliza. My work Christmas party. There yeah. was a big work Christmas party. Eliza, uh, I have no voice. she was a bit Liddy a I'm few like, nights ago, and for once, I'm the I'm the so good the Jesus child. Boy. I was I was all good. Wow, I'm so what excited. Um, I think 2019 in movies was, uh, I think it was a strong year, but definitely it's hard for me because the best I would say, arguably, like similarly to last year, it was the best year for horror, like mm. genre wise, which mm. makes me go, I get that I'm really biased towards a particular genre. And trust me, my list reflects that. Mm, But at the same time, it was actually a really good year for horror. And I expect to see some on both of your lists. This was such a big year for like, do you remember two years ago when like The Vavitch and Get Out and like Hereditary came out? Yeah. And now this year, all of those directors have put out their second movie. Their second output, that's so true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Well, even just like all those studios Pretty are investing in like more things that were successful for them for the first time. Like yeah, Bloomhouse has like a bunch of cool too. shit. Yeah, exactly. Really cool mm. new IPs. Mm. Lots of remakes of old properties given like a cool modern update. Yeah, man. Men yeah. in Black International. Oh, yeah. Oh, that. yeah. Well, that's exactly what came to mind. That was great. Yeah. I didn't say it. I missed it. That came out this year, apparently. <laughs> Sorry, Men in Black. <laughs> yeah, but I come out. Yeah. So we're going to do. It's like we're going to do our – we should have clarified we're doing our top ten. So it's going to be a two-parter. So this this episode strap we've got – Strap in. Strap in. Yeah. Like a long episode and then we're doing another long episode That's with the our one. top five to our top one. Exactly. It's full yeah. of – it's got – so we've got our ten to one. It's got some special guest appearances. <gasps> Sprinkled in there. We've got some other categories <laughs> that we wanted to throw in there. It's just going to be chunky. It's going to be full of fun. And you I'm know excited. what? Who knows what's going to happen. I'm excited for you guys to realise that I only like one kind of movie <laughs> and that is an A24 movie. A two four, A two four. Do you say A twenty four? 
I can't count. Why would I say that? For anyone? I think like if we're doing a podcast with your siblings where you talk about movies is normally like really indulgent. This episode is just like oh, such This is just us being like, oh, I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So what are we going to do? We're supposed to talk about like if one of us says something and it's on your list, yeah. do you reckon you just like talk about like, I think you just talk about it when it comes up, right? Yeah, I think we just let the, the person whose number it is say how they feel and then if it yeah. comes to you and you're like, well, I also loved Angry Birds too. Like, save it for when yeah. it's time to your number one. Eliza, I asked you to stop li- looking at my list. I said I think <laughs> I wanted away. to save it. Sorry. Eliza, Sorry. I had a huge fire sale because I wanted Angry Birds to be my number one and my number two. Oh, no, 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 no. no. The game can be no number two and the movie can be your number one. Yeah, true, true, true. Or maybe part one, the, the second one can be number one and the movie, the first one, which, even though it came out a few Just years ago, that's fine. It yeah. still gets to be on the list. Fun. Well. Oh, God, let's get on with it. Are we going to start with our number 10s? First off, I wanted to briefly say, here are some films that I haven't seen. Oh, yeah. So films that aren't out in Australia yet, if you're not listening in Australia, or just films that I didn't see this year and I Mm. feel really bad because I'm like, they might have made the list, but I didn't. I tried to do a lot of catching up this week. I, I meant to count how many... F- I keep a journal of all the movies I've seen. Saw a shit Got ton of movies this year. That's a good idea. But not as many in cinemas this year as I have previous years. So a big apology or just like understanding that they haven't come out yet to these films. Haven't seen Ad Astra. I'm that's sure mine. It oh my God. On, no, that's what I'm been on there. Too. Didn't see Ad Astra. Didn't see Hustlers. Really see which it. I actually started hearing some mixed things about, but mm. didn't see Hustlers. Didn't see High Life. Oh, didn't see Her Smell. Oh. And uh, We Haven't Got Little Women or Uncut Gems. Yet. Yeah, They're Uncut Gems was my other that one like, that I was like, I want to be able to talk about it, but I yeah, can't. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it'll be on here. But I want that Furby necklace so I'm much. back on my Sandler shit. <laughs> I feel like I haven't been very subtle about saying to people, like, if you can't think of a Christmas present for me, get me the Furby necklace. Well, that's not a subtle statement, so I don't know I how you can be subtle forgetting about Forgetting Idina Menzel's going to be in that. It's yeah. really weird. Adele Dazeem. Adele Dazeem. Introducing. Adele Dazeem. Yeah, those are mine. What yeah. about your, like, honourable mentions? So I'm sure we all have movies yeah. that didn't quite crack our top ten, yeah. mm-hmm. but you still really enjoyed them yeah. and think people should see them. So, actually, I, for my private use, before we had a podcast, like a little loser, mm. just keep a <laughs> top 15 on my phone. Jesus so, I always have a top Christ. 15. Yeah, and just post weird number. I, I just post it on my Instagram. So, I have a top 15 and honourable mentions. So, Jeez. this honourable mentions is... My 11 to 15 and <laughs> my honourable mention. God, yeah. okay, okay, it's come long. On. It's long. Go, go, okay? go. Some of these I can't believe they didn't make the list. It's just a big go. year, guys. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to these films, but no, I love I won't. you. <laughs> <laughs> Free Solo, Pet Cemetery, the 2019 one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, fuck off. Knives Out, Destroyer, <laughs> Good Boys. The- you guys are not going to respect this one at all. Um, Hellboy 2019. Uh, the Irishman. John Wick Chapter 3. Parabellum. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh my Annabelle God. Comes Home. Noah. And Child's Play 2019. That was so many movies. They're all honourable mentions. I, I have I really one honourable mention because I just thought of it like just then. I was like, oh, Booksmart was fun. All right, oh, that's it. That's all I got. I have, I, I have lots I of thoughts on this list. I don't even have any special all feelings about it. All those films I, just, I fun movie. want to talk about you, I don't have the time. My honourable mentions are just Ad Astra. Mm. Oh. The Grand Bazaar, mm. Long Day's Journey Into Night, oh. only 3D movie I saw this year, oh. and Swallow. They were all bops. Stunning. So I haven't seen a 3D movie in years. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Are the this glasses one? still paper? 
No, the it cardboard? was the like the plastic ones, ones. Oh. like the plastic real D ones. But it was that very actually cool. is what makes Sexy. me most sick about the Avatar sequels that we're gonna have to watch in the next few years. Ooh. I'm like, he's gonna be like, you have to see them in 3D, and I'm like, but we stopped doing that. <laughs> we're not I'm sure, sure we still have like a bucket of 3D glasses because oh. we used to have. We so have, have to buy them again. And Eliza painted them all with nail polish. Yeah, just for, <laughs> just for fun. Wow. So if you saw some really dope capitalism and art, can you tell she was a Gleek? <laughs> All right. Who, who, which one of you guys wants to start off with your top ten? Let's I'll create. Start, yeah, oh. Let's create. Uh, we'll go, yeah. we'll go youngest to oldest, I reckon. Meg, youngest oldest. Hit us with your tenth favorite movie of 2019. All right, all right, all right. My, ten, I don't know why I did that. Um, my 10th favourite McConaughey isn't in this movie. He's not in this movie. Um, my 10th favourite movie from this year was Knives Out. It oh, is. Okay. I'm okay. Mm. Don't not seem okay. <laughs> just feel like the stakes are high. You I don't know. You seem like you're losing your grip and you're just <laughs> like clutching to reality. <laughs> okay, so Knives Out. It's that murder mystery movie. It's written, produced and directed by Ryan Johnson. What a boy. Um, and it features like a really stellar cast. Fucking bomb cast. Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, Tony Collette, although... The only thing I would say about it is Daniel Craig and Tony Collette are playing caricatures and everyone else is much more subtle. Yeah, kind of they went bigger than everyone they went, else. They went much bigger. And also, I don't know if you guys agree, but Collette can't do a very good American accent. Her oh. American accent always bothers me. Ever since like oh. Little Miss Sunshine. I'm like, there's something uh, stuck in like yeah, her like. So. The back of her mouth, I'm like, nah. No, I just doesn't think quite she's the more miscast one. I don't see her in that role, really. Just quickly, really? Eliza, is this movie on your list? It's not on my list. So we can really? talk about it. Because I was going to say, like, I was hoping it would be on someone so I could talk about so her. Like, it. it was close to getting on there. But it's a classic thing where before I went in, I was so excited because Last Jedi is one of my films of the decade. I love oh Ryan Johnson. God. And I think he is a terrific writer and director. Um, Eliza pointed something out to me mm. and I went in and I was like, that's not going to change my thought of the movie, but it did. What did I say? Uh, your point about that the murder mystery doesn't resolve around who, like the mystery is it's solved. It's a how done it, not a who done it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of wasn't as satisfying to me. It really I don't wasn't. know. I wasn't bothered by that. Our dogs are yipping and yapping. Both. They have their knives out. <laughs> ready to sleep. I think the thing that I like so much about Knives Out was that it wasn't trying to be more than it advertised itself to be. Yeah, it was like a big crowd pleaser. Yeah, crowd pleaser. It had its really fun moments. Um, I I did love the whole sort of like it's such a like set piece. It has like a really – it's all centres around this one location and the protagonist you love and I just – I don't know. It it ticked boxes. It was just like a very easy please. I think a big win for that is it has awesome setups for murder mysteries. Like I I think any murder mystery is just as good as the different devices you compose its mystery out of. Things like the MVP for movie, what's her name? Anna. Anna Jalamis. Yeah, she's the MVP and the the device that she throws up whenever she lies. Yeah. Like stuff like that where I'm like so clever, like such a great thing to like. To have like a human lie detector. Just like a fun thing. Like, yeah. 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 Really good. And uh, I don't know. I think as well, part of it lies in the fact, like I don't have that much to say about this movie except for the fact that like, I just really enjoyed it. And that's fine. And I think that's like, that's, it's like, it's 10th on my list. 
So obviously I had like other favorites or whatever, but I don't know. This was just like a fun time. I really appreciated that it wasn't trying to do more than it set out to do. I think I accomplished what it set out to do really well, which was just like be that classic murder mystery and achieve it in a really fun way. So that's why it's number 10 on my list. Good job, Nice Out. If it had been a directorial debut that I, like I didn't know who he was and I just saw that movie, it would probably be in my top 10. But I was really looking forward to it and so I had a really good time with it, but it wasn't. Not just 10. Yay. Okay, my number 10, uh, you're going to start seeing a trend appear on the list, is a horror film. It is a big, beautiful, ambitious mess that I love and it's called It Chapter 2. Oh, wow. Um, I'm a big Stephen King fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no one ever calls Pennywise that. That'd be dope. Um, <laughs> um, I am a big Stephen King fan, and my favorite book, I'd probably say, like, at the moment, my favorite book of all time is It. Like, wow. I'll never forget reading the last few chapters of It. My like, favorite book is Crimes of Passion. <laughs> we got it from Kmart when we were like seven. It's like this terrible oh. nonfiction book <laughs> about like murders of like people who murdered their It's wife. titillating. I, I love, love it. Yeah, you read that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I broke the spine of it. It's great. Oh. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. Um, that really kicked off the true crime thing for us, didn't it? Um, <laughs> I love, so It Chapter 2, the first It uh, a few years ago, I loved and it, did exactly what I think the, the the text has always been capable of. It elevated, um, it, it elevated the text to kind of like studio fare that still captured the best things about Stephen King. I'm going to talk more about Stephen King on this list because I think this year we moved into recognizing more things about his book. You know, we always associate Stephen King as like the horror writer, but actually the horror does what all great horror should do, and that it serves. There's people that you just fucking care about and you love so much. Um, This film is messy. It's too long. It struggles with what to keep in and what to take out. Way too many characters. Way Way too too many many characters. characters. It's got weird. um, And it really wants you to stick with them. It's got weird, like, character beats. It's like a book. Uh, Like weird. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's based on some kind of written novel. (laughs) It's so good. It's kind of literary, I guess you'd say. (laughs) It's like a literary perception of the characters. Um, But I love, (laughs) I, I think it is... Um, I, I think Machete like translates the sense of uh, like what a like catac like 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 that this event was a catalyst that the first one yeah, was a catalyst yeah. for the rest of their yeah. lives. Yeah. I think that there is. I think that the um the grown up actors of the kids are all so much fun and that their relationship well, with Bill each Hader. other is so much. Bill Hader's MVP. We love you. A great Hader. example of like where to add things to the text, like because it adds. Yeah. An amazing element to um, Bill Hader's character that he's po- possibly like repressing his um, sexuality as like a gay man. Um, I think, yeah, and I just love to see how this great writer that I really respect, um, uh, uh, this great director that I really respect, translated horror from a book to more like film devices in ways that um, some scenes are more successful than others. But yeah, I don't know. I just had a blast with it. Even though it is a big mess, every single scene yeah. is packed with love mm. and understanding of the text. I think yeah. it does understand that what's so special about it is a bunch of people 
a bunch of like people that have grown up and recognized that they actually helped form each other's lives. Yeah, and, and the pitfalls are in that investment. Like quite obviously, it's just the fact that it tries to do so much. Yeah, I love I love every one of those. Yeah, exactly. It's that it, it has so much to give because it obviously um, just like loves the text. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah, Good I honestly job. like if I would seen it yesterday, I would have way more to say about it now because <laughs> yeah. I feel quite distant from it now. It's like in it, like you went through this traumatic experience of seeing the movie, and now, and yeah. now like it's blocked out the bad memories, and you're just like, what a great film. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. At the time, <laughs> oh I gosh. I have so my list is full of things where I'm like, I have so much to say, and that's why I couldn't not put it on this list because there are other movies that I was like, that was good. Whereas there are so many films on this list that I'm like, ah, oh, this horrible part yeah. that just betrays the themes and ideals of the movie. But then there's amazing part that like reflects everything amazing about mm. what the movie's trying to say. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling. That's it. <laughs> Chapter two. Good my job. Number 10. It. Eliza, what's yours? My number 10 is Midsommar by Ari Aster. Like, this movie had so much stuff going on. I have that on there too. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot higher for you. I remember you really connected with it. It's very high for me. Yeah, it's on this boys as well. Okay. I just thought, like, the original Wicker Man from the 70s is, like, one of my top three favourite movies of all time. Mm. And I loved Hereditary. I love all of Ari Aster's other shorts and stuff that he's made. So, like, I knew this going into it that this movie was going to tick a lot of those boxes for me. Mm. And dumbly, I read the script before seeing it and I think I think it let me down in some ways. Like, um, I don't think Aster cares about his characters that much. Like, I think the actors do a lot of the heavy lifting, especially Florence Pugh, who is oh exceptional. Oh, my God. Oh. What a performance. She's, like, Really debated making her my performance of the year. Yeah, me wow. too. She's up there for me. Yeah. But, um... I think like what a year she's this having. movie could have been a lot more shit and still been my top ten yeah. <laughs> of the year. Just because yeah. like it's such a fun like colour box, paint box to be playing around in. Like yeah. this palette of Scandinavian horror. Yeah. <laughs> like all the wackiness and like Cult horror, like culty <laughs> freakiness of yeah. that. Yeah. So culty horror yeah. is always such a good vehicle for that horror that equally has like such deep like black comedy in it. Like because mm. it's just yeah. so like you're always laughing while you're super scared. Like yeah. that's one of this movie's big assets. Yeah, I think another thing that I love about this movie is that it deals very well in trauma. Like the idea oh. of like well in the beginning when her sister like suicides and kills her parents or whatever. And how that foreshadows like the trauma to come and how she internalizes yeah. it then and then the like eventual release in the third act when she's like literally Completely. surrounded by she all these women new family. and they're like heaving and she's like sobbing. Yeah. It is the most like mm. aggressive kind of like mm. depiction of trauma in that way that I've seen in a horror movie. And I think I've made like this point so much on the podcast that I, like horror just doesn't stick with me that much as a genre, which is such a generalization, but I'm just like not super taken with maybe it. Maybe because this doesn't look like other horror movies. Yeah, maybe. And go through more as well. I just feel like it's saying more than others do. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. Like I appreciate that, you know, whilst it does have, it's like st- not even stupid moments, but it's moments where it's really like, just like mm-hmm. trying it's to get at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it evens out mm-hmm. really well for me. Like I, and f- like Florence Pugh. It's amazing. What? Yeah. A performance. Well, it's on. It's on all of our lists, so we're going to be talking about it more. What a performance! We can we can save some okay. points for cool. the future. Yeah. I'd say like, I remember coming out of it and talking about it with people. A lot of people were like, I didn't think it was that scary, scary, but I thought it was great. That's only the comedy. point, is it? And it's like I wish it had either been way more of a comedy with these really fucked up scenes, or it had been a bit more serious and committed more to being a horror movie. Like, hmm. yeah. Normally, I really like that like weird lineal area between the two, but in this case, I was like. Mm, I kind of would like a little bit more commitment from the director, but yeah, interesting. Still, I I totally get that. Still, it's the tenth best movie I saw this year, I reckon. 
Yay. Good job, Midsummer. <laughs> So we are going to kick off with a little segment. There's a little side Is quest. that a segment? A sub, yeah. Sub? A se- yeah, a segment. Segment. All right. We are picking our um, like most underrated film of the year. Mm. Um, I'm going to kick things off and I am choosing mid-90s, which mm. is technically 2018. We got it But we got it in 2019. I saw it in 2019. So I'm counting so. it. It is Jonah Hill's um, directorial debut. And it's, like, more serious for him. Like, he's, like, obviously a comedic sort of career. Um, and I really, really liked it. I thought that um, this actually, this film did make it into my top ten, so it'll be getting another little sprick later. But I thought, aside from the fact that I thought that I think Sonny is the protagonist who's, like, a young boy in it and I thought he was cast too young for the mm. film. Like, he was quite obviously a lot younger than um like the rest of the cast and it was a bit um a bit like disconcerting in parts aside from that I couldn't really criticize it that much I really liked this film I liked the colors and like palette that it worked in I know that it didn't have anything especially profound to say save for the fact that Jonah Hill probably just wanted to comment on like the idea of a solidarity and that within this era it is an era piece maybe it has to do with the fact that I do like the era like I like the idea of like the 90s and stuff I like this kind of like aesthetic. You like skatey boy. Aesthetic. I like skatey yeah. aesthetic. Like I love like Spike Jones and stuff. So I yeah, don't know. It could just be that. It could just be me like being on my shit again. That's but fine. I don't know. I just thought it was a bit underrated. No, but very fair to be like. It's a I film felt like that not everyone, enough people saw it. Yeah, and it's definitely yeah. for everyone's just like, oh, it's just like another A twenty four film that's like really sweet and like a bit of a coming of age story. So if you really yeah. found that you were like, no, I actually thought it was a bit more than that. And I yeah, it, then I really fair. liked yeah. it. I, I thought didn't... it was underrated. I feel like it got no press whatsoever. It got no press. And I'm surprised because I was sure it would have done like actually done well with. Like I'm sure a lot of people would have loved to see it. Like yeah, I, I kind think of so too. Saw it when I stumbled upon. It, I was like, oh, that's. Uh, oh, that's on. Okay. Well, no, I was like go. really like hyping it up for ages because I saw the um like I came upon the trailer kind of randomly. And it has that song you like. It has this really good like Hungarian song, and I used it in a video essay at uni once, and I'm so sick of it now. But yeah, it was. I don't know. I think as well, it must be that must be a real part of it too. It has a great soundtrack. Um, but yeah, loved it. That's my most underrated. Um, my most underrated is a film that reflects everything about the statement underrated in the sense that I came I to we're it. We're going to have the same one. I think we are. <laughs> I came to it with not many expectations. I kind of saw the possibility and scope for greatness that it had. Um, I saw that it had very mildling reviews and that it wasn't Mildling? Mildling? Middling? Middling. What? Mildling. Oh, sorry. Middling. It's like middle. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yes, middle, mid, middling. Sorry, it, it sounds had, so personally offended. <laughs> she, uh, yes, it had very middling reviews. Um, and I saw it and thought it was the fucking bomb. And it's Black Christmas 2019. Yeah, me too. Yay! I think yeah. that's the most underrated yet. movie I saw this year. It's definitely the most underrated movie uh, I saw this year. The whole movie. But it movie, only just came out. It has a D plus on Cinema Score, so it's most doing people bad. Saw it disliked it. And <gasps> it's closing. Um, it it's, made like it's no run money here early, probably because wow. Star Wars just come out, so they're like no point and stuff. All this sad stuff. Well, that's um, sad. Mm. I 
I look the along the line at the cinemas a lot to see. I like watching people's reactions to it and stuff. And I couldn't stop looking at Eliza with a face of almost like, you think this is, like, you're feeling this as well, right? And Eliza was always like, she's always like, shut up. Like, she's always like, just let me watch the film. And in this movie, Eliza would look at me and be like, it's yeah. good. It's so good. So yeah, a couple of the kills, we were like, whoo, like yeah. really reactive. I literally, I, I'm going to talk about it more again, like just like with Meg's uh, Most Underrated, it's on my list as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm um, just briefly going to say, I think the point that I'll make uh, at this point is that I love that it, so it takes a, uh, like a, a property, a franchise, the Black Christmas franchise. Which we've franchise, talked a lot about already. Which we talked about. Episode. And it does terrific things. If it takes that uh, property, it adapts it to, um, you know, college, uh, like campus rape culture and like frat boys and hazing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Translates it in a way that it does what I'm really hoping Bloomhouse keeps doing of, it clearly goes, okay, so Get Out was such a big success because we did what all great horror does. We used social commentary we use the horror to heighten and support like a really important social message but that also leads towards a scary thing that films could start doing now where like every horror studio just tries to make like the big prestige horror film of the year what i love about black christmas is that it still recognizes that it's a campy slasher film with like gory kills and like it's it's very like pulpy and and like it's made to like a cult classic yeah but then it's still like it uses that framework to tell an important social message that top to bottom it tells. Like this film isn't subtly about anything. It's yeah. not in a way where it's like blatant, blatant and you feel like it's like dumb and in your face. Like it's really cleverly composed to be a very specific tale, but also yeah. a very fun tale. Which I think is why people hate it because it's not like in other movies, which people have said, like yeah. there's been heaps of horror movies over the past couple of years that have been said to have like a me too or yeah. feminist yeah. message. And then when yeah. you see it, it's super like suggestive. In the and yeah. I can yeah. even say that about like my beloved Halloween 2019. Yeah. Like they're like good it's, movies. It's this a movie, film. Yeah, it's, every line of dialogue is a girl asserting that she's terrified to be in a college <laughs> campus yeah. talking about how she wants to kill a guy. Like these women are like very, Blatantly feminist, and, and every oh, single audience is hated. Yeah, every single <laughs> character and element reflects a different element of the argument as well. Like, there's so many facets to it. There's even like yeah. the the main trio of women, uh, quartet of women, have one of their boyfriends. Like, he's always he's like, like on their nice side. Guy. He's like a nice, and then he moves into the territory of being like, like I'll save you. Like, these are my girls. You gotta ew, get away from ew. them and stuff. And it's like, oh, it's so, so, so clever. And I, like I loved it. Again, I'll talk about it more later. Yeah. But it was such a surprise. And it's the one that for the next few years, whenever people ask for horror recommendations or something silly, yeah. especially at Christmas time, I'll be saying Black Christmas 2019. Black Christmas. Christmas. I have to see. I haven't been. Girls uh, died. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I agree. Like, no one would say this is like a prestige horror movie like Get Out. Like Get Out, no. Mm. But I think almost like good on them for doing that. Like everyone was mad that the movie was PG and not R-rated. But yes, oh. the fact that you could take like mm. a teen girl and show her this horror movie is very cool. A big gift. Oh, I'm getting into all my Black Christmas topics already, but it's fine because that's what the podcast is about. You <laughs> say what you think when you think in it. Um, the, the director tweeted about being like, we want everyone to know that we asked for this for us, it's an M cut. For them, it's for America, it's a PG cut. Mm. We could, we filmed it as an R film, but we said we think the film supports being just M and we want it to be available for everyone to go see, which does two amazing things. One, all the, like, the directorial sensibility of it 
is based in a more like the seventies like Vaseline lens, yeah, like, big zooms, yeah, big cool. zooms. Like the big, this, like there's a scare that is a huge homage to The Exorcist three, like that yeah. one of the great jump scares of all time. Like it, which means that um, the horror is generally based in the lead up to the kill and not the kill itself, which means that it still is so scary, but it's so much more accessible to everyone. And at the same time, all I could think when I was leaving that cinema and I stood up was looking around me and looking at all the girlfriends that were there with their boyfriends <laughs> and being like, those no, dudes, like, have a discussion literally, the they had no fucking clue that they were in for this. Like, no one did. And everyone was yeah. just like, oh, and I, like, all the women next to us were like, that was awesome and stuff. And all these guys were just like looking really uncomfortable. And I was like, <laughs> fuck yes, we're oh going to have some guys, convos about this, this great movie. film. Everyone does. Go see it. It's like, still in cinema. You can say, we'll talk about it a bit more, but you can say it's heavy handed, but I think that's part of its power that it really commits to being like, that's definitely what this movie is about. Yeah. You cannot misinterpret it. And it's also just so well written that you're never like, oh, it actually doesn't have much to say. It just has like good intentions. Yeah. But it does. It has <laughs> it so many distinct <laughs> things to say. Black Christmas, top tier entertainment. Oh. That's my most underrated. And that's is that your specialiser? Yes, that's mine too. Cool. So let's crack on. Let's let's go on to our number nine best movie of the year. Continuing the countdown. <laughs> Okay, now we're on to number nine. Um, for number nine of my top ten, I went with John Wick Chapter Three: Parabellum. That's crazy, yeah, to me, man. That's which so is exciting. weird for me. You're such and not like a yeah. I'm not. An I'm person. not an action person at all. Um. God, I'm not much. I'm like, no action, <laughs> not horror, like whatever. But yeah, no, I love the John Wick franchise. I think it's so excellent. I don't know how much of that has to do with the fact that I just love Keanu because who doesn't? <laughs> but um, I thought this was a great installment. I was very taken with it. And I think it's very rare for an action film to like excite me and keep me very engaged. And I was very engaged mm. watching this. And I wasn't watching it in a cinema. I just saw it like on my laptop, I think. Oh. So I think that's another thing that I really admire that as an action film, so much of the draw is like the spectacle of it and spectacle is like quite tied to the cinematic experience and I didn't have that and I still felt that. Um, I also think there's something so interesting in the fact that it could start with like such a simple Mm. idea and has grown into such a beloved franchise from that idea. Um, I thought, yeah, it was a great instalment um, in the franchise and I think I probably put it on my list as well because I do so admire when a, a film can be in an instalment in a franchise and still keep that consistency, that heart is still mm. there, like it doesn't yeah, abandon its, it's getting message. getting bigger and bigger. And yeah, and it is it. getting bigger. You can really feel the, yeah. like, grandier sort of scale. It stuff, builds yeah. um, in a way that, like that diverges from the first a little bit but in a really good, strong way. Um, great performances, like as always. No one's too like villainy, villainous, which I like. <laughs> like obviously you've got like good guys, bad guys, or whatever, but it's not so black and white. It's quite, um, yeah, it, it, it's just like a great, I don't know, a great mm. installment. Do I was you remember very... what your favourite kill in it is? Oh, oh. no. The, fight or the knife, the knife fight. 
Oh, in the knife store when there's oh, like yeah. cabinets. Oh, yeah, the cabinets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flings an yeah. axe at some guy from across this, the room. This, like, stunt work is incredible. It's amazing. It's so choreographic. And just the time and detail that went into, like, this entire film. Yeah. You can really You can tell it's it. directed by a fight choreographer. Absolutely. It's a, it's a film whose, like, my feelings want to have changed a little bit throughout the year in the sense that, like, when I left it, I was like, oh, look, like, I loved it, but there's something to being, like, the first one I watch. I still come back to for its simplicity and yeah. like the clean yeah. line of it, of what it's saying. The second one I watch for the wonderful expanded mythology mm. and the third one, I'm like, I don't know why I, I feel like it's a bit more of the second one and stuff, but I still love it. I still think Keanu like has the world's best agent. Like I think <laughs> he's so good, but he has a very particular thing that he's amazing at and all of his iconic characters are things that utilize his strengths only, which is what any good like mm, career agent. should be. Oh, yeah. Like Neo and this, both of them are like ninety five percent of what makes kind of good, which is like the mystery. Like there's always yeah. something behind the yeah. eyes. Like that's what's so great about him. Um, but yeah, I wish I, I. It's probably my least favorite of the franchise, but I love it. And it also is your. It's a great point you made in that. What it does have is no matter what John Wick film they're making, it's always going to be full of like passion and love and attention yeah, to detail, which yeah. you can always feel in a franchise. You can feel that. And yeah. I think, yeah, especially in action, you can really almost feel it when you can tell the film wants to just like pack in a fight. Or yeah, pack in a, totally. But everything feels very consequential on where the film goes. Um, it, it has a strong narrative. Like the, it's not convoluted. It's not like overly... Mm complicated or intricate but it's yeah it's enough to keep you engaged and i just really yeah. like it. you reckon best dogs of the year in a movie well what other movies had dogs yeah i can't think of any other oh, dog for movies. now let's say they best were dogs. very good boys they good were good boys. boys they were such good boys yeah go john wick hey stunning <laughs> doesn't that dog die in parasite does that happen uh, am i making that up i don't remember that i don't think so well, am i crazy good boys in john wick Good boys. Um, my number nine is a film that we've talked about extensively, so I won't keep you all too long. It's Ready or Not. Um, a film who, I don't want to open with a negative thing, but I guess I just initially thought it would be higher on the list. And then it's a film that I go, oh, after time, like as time's gone on, it uh, drops down less progressively. But I still am so, so passionate about the things that this film um, does absurdly well. To me, it has all the makings of a cult like a cult piece that we will like mm. love for years to come. Um, it's the kind of film that like when I watched it, I just kept on being like, oh my God, this is when they like make movies for me that I love. Mm. Um, I think it has my, uh, a big contender for best scene of the year in the uh, I ending. I thought that would be your best yeah. scene. I, I contemplated. Uh, we we debated it, it uh, very intensely on the, on the podcast. I think it reflects the film's uh, cheeky sensibility I think Cheeky. it uh, reflects the awesome w- one of the uh, a, a great triple pick we could do this year is films about um, <laughs> fuck the rich. Uh, we could do yeah. this and Parasite and uh, and Knives Out. Out. Knives Out yeah. It's a great year for those films, and I think this film uh, it has an awesome start. Like again, a few months later, the things that stick out to me are how fun that ending is, how amazing Samara Weaving is, like what an awesome Samara standout Weaving. role that is. Um, how gorgeous it looked and like the design of it all. I just thought it was a great, fun, pulpy time, which is my kind of film. Um, and even though now I feel like just the device of a film where it's like we're hunting down a person is a like something that's quite like common. Like I think there are a lot of films I could watch if I wanted something like that. It has enough 
as I said in our episode, it has enough little elements to give it the extra kick that it needs to be uh, number nine on my list. Good job. Lizzie? Yep, so my number nine is Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale. This Ooh. movie was one of the coolest viewing experiences I had this year. Like, it's sad to be like, wow, it was so gnarly and people couldn't handle it. But yeah. we saw it at MIF in like a really packed cinema. Yeah. Yep. And I obviously knew how brutal the movie was going in, but it's really something to see a movie and um, see like some of the really horrific scenes of rape, murder, colonialization at its worst. And seeing people walk out at each of those moments of impact. Like moments, like yeah. there were like multiple, like almost checkpoints in the film yeah. where people would walk out. This had yeah. huge walkouts, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I... Did you see me? Uh, no, no, I didn't see an Irish right. Well, right. It, it's on my list as well. Yeah. Um, I read a lot of um, literature around it though because yeah. of the walking out. And my like, as someone who took a film subject for um, uni, he... Said he walked out and he's, he said, I've never ever walked out of a movie before. Right. But there's the one moment with the baby. There's a moment. And yeah. he said, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And I knew it was coming the whole time. It made me so nervous. So he's like, I had to leave. Yeah. So the movie's about the treatment of convicts and Indigenous populations in Tasmania, in Australia, like 200 years ago. And it, I'm, I'm really disappointed about the way this movie's been received because all of the discussion around it has been about how intense it is and. A lot, a lot of the critics I really admire mm. when they talk about this movie, they talk about it in a quite dismissive way and say because it, uh, I think it speaks to the experience of being a convict, being a woman in this really brutal time really well and mm. it at least tries to speak to being an Indigenous man at the same time. Mm. And I think because it doesn't, it has flaws in how it tells that story, I think a lot of people kind of brushed it aside and were like, it wasn't it's just perfect. just whatever. Like, yeah, and yeah. I think because the subject matter is so intense... There's a lot more room for failure. Yeah, and, and a lot of yeah. room for criticism as well. People yeah. would be so quick to jump on it. Yeah. Especially, mm. yeah. But I think this movie is so brave and really technically accomplished. And Very it's so something that always gets glossed over whenever a film is controversially violent is mm. like it, its level of filmmaking, like the, yeah. the, le- mm. the standard of the yeah, actual like um, different departments that reflect like that violence and like that that's such a film for it you're so right like it's such yeah. a gorgeous film with amazing performances as well yeah yeah like I think the those violent scenes were really needed like they are the kind of blood of the movie but I also kind of wish this movie had been a little more tame in some ways purely so that people well, talked people about it more it because because it was so intense yeah I hated that people dismissed it and I really wish it had started more conversation than it did. Which raises Maybe an interesting topic about, like, how do we design, like, do we design films? You know, that's what we just talked about with Black Christmas, in a very different way, of course. But, like, do we design films to be seen by the most people that they can? Or yeah. obviously it's directorial choice. But I also go another point about films made um, that are about tricky topics like, you know, like racism uh, and, like, you know, national history is... There's also the perspective of like, well, I'm fucking sick of having to dumb down things to make you feel more comfortable. Yeah, you know? this is how it was. Like that's like another, like that feels like the statement I got more yeah. so from Nightingale is being like, I'm sure more people would see this if we were nicer about it, but then yeah. that would allow you to brush it under the table again. Like that would allow yeah. you to yeah. remove responsibility again. I think if this movie had come out in the 70s, it would have been so much more incendiary and talked about than it is now. Yeah. Okay. And that bums me out. Yeah. That is a bummer. I'm, I'm glad it's on your list. Yeah, me too. I really want to see it now. 
most overrated. Yeah. Oh my God. That's clean. That's beautiful. Writes himself. <laughs> so we are now going. Um, oh, that was too like. We, I didn't. We oh. need a. Sorry, that was weird. Why? It was too. It was too like signposted as a thing I was going to do. Just go. Oh. I feel uncomfortable now. Auto tune it really has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Okay. No problem. I did it, and now Meg's going to talk. Okay. Um. So yeah, we're going ahead with our next little segment, which is most overrated. Thanks for that, Noah. Most. Um, o- <laughs> <laughs> um. So my pick. I think. It, I think you guys will agree with this. I went with Todd Phillips. Joker. Yep. I had the this big thing of like so I wanted I was like do I make it Joker because a lot of the conversation around it is people being like this is bad yeah like I, I feel like maybe I'm in the place where I'm like it's maybe it's more so divi- obviously I'd be like Divisive. based on the original festival response it's the most it won overrated. the Venice Film it won the Venice Film Festival Venice in that sense good fucking god it's the most overrated yeah, yeah. but yeah. yeah I just my thing with this film is like you if you like this movie like just see all the text that it's like pretty much copying That's so harsh, like though. i don't want to be a dick but like this is just like taxi driver and the king of comedy like i'm frustrated <laughs> watching this yeah. film and the writing is it's so bad oh my god it annoys me so i could oh. not sit through this film without like you sort of like chuckling almost like scoffing at how completely obvious everything that was said was, but in a really also unnatural way. It was like, so you just feel like, what the fuck? (laughs) This is what you, you know, you had a great performance. I still think like, I still love what Joaquin Phoenix did with it, especially physically his physical acting in terms of Mm. how he moves his body is very interesting. But yeah, his I, back looked his, um, back. his back looked all fucked up from carrying the movie on his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think as well. I completely. Agree. Um, I don't know. I just find the whole thing so like su- such a. It was just such a like. I don't know how to say this in like an academic way. It was just it was a big <laughs> wank. Like it was so wanky. It like, frustrates it, me so much that we that there's all this conversation around it as though it's this big piece to interrogate, whereas actually the big fucking flaw of the film is it has nothing to say. Like, just as Meg said, like, this is the film that's been most recommended that we talk about on this podcast. Like, the most obvious thing we could do is do Joker and Taxi Driver or Joker and King of Comedy. Well, all I'd be like is, like, those films are about things. This is a film that's just, like, reckless for no reason. It feels dangerous. It feels dangerous and has no reason to. It actually has yeah. nothing to say. Yeah. It does apologise for this character yeah. and it does, like, there's so many moments moments where it's, like, clearly trying to ape decisions made in far superior films, mm. but it doesn't even support them. Like, the way that yeah. it's, like, I guess we should do an untrustworthy narrator element to this film, but it doesn't actually do it because it holds your hand Yeah, it's like, oh, that. you yeah. think this it's happened? Like, it didn't happen. And it's like, it didn't happen, it didn't happen. Uh-huh. And, like, the point of that narrative thing is yeah. that you leave feeling disoriented, whereas I feel like I've been directed just I into a big old pile of to. misguided, pandered-to yeah. shit. Is Joker yeah. your... It's not, no, because oh, I, don't, I don't think... Is, is it yours, sorry? I think... Um, are you finished, Meg? Just because... Yeah, I true, don't know. You, uh, I was just going to say, I just felt like a lot of the, like if someone were to walk away and say they love this film, what they're saying they like about it, I think they're just cheap hits. Like even the thing about like, oh, like Joker might be whatever, like the Bruce Wayne's dad. What, what's his name? 
Yeah. Mr. Wayne. Thomas oh, Wayne. Mr. Wayne's son, son or whatever, yeah. yeah. I was just like, oh, it just felt cheap. It felt like, yeah, yeah. I felt very pandered to in this film. very clever. Yeah. But it's it has it's to say, yeah. like a smug movie. Yeah. Oh, Phillips. Yeah. Very well Go said. Go back to the hangover. Very well said. I agree completely. Anyway. Yeah, because yeah, mine, I really couldn't decide between Joker and Booksmart. Mine is oh, Booksmart. Wow. Yeah, okay, amazing. We just picked all the same movies. There you go. Oh. We're all, so generally yes. we can just throw in the pool that those are all movies <laughs> that we talk too much about. The yeah. one thing that I have to say about Booksmart, oh, not the one thing. I have other Is it on your list? Well, I kind of gave it an honourable mention because I, like, I had a nice time watching it. Yeah, but same. the only thing I would say about it is like, why did it have so many songs in it? Like if you watch it back, <laughs> oh, it's like a different song every I couple think, of minutes. It's yeah, so This is at the weird. crux of why both movies didn't work for me. Yeah. I think when we talk about overrated, I think neither of these movies are the worst movie I've ever seen. No. They're both mediocre. Yeah. And the reason I had such a negative reaction to them is because they were so overhyped. And they yeah. kept the conversation yeah. around them that you look at other films and you're like, give you the conversation bad. to that film. Yeah. Like all of the underrated. I'm like, we give an inch of any of this conversation to Black, Black Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Like both films had excellent trailers. Do you remember the both oh, trailers? Oh, such yeah. good trailers. Where you're like, I know exactly what the tone of this movie is. Fun yeah. songs. Like yeah. this is going to be great. And then you watch the movie and you're like, wow, this is just a long trailer. Yeah. Did you guys like uh, Good Boys more than Booksmart? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, same. I did. I think both movies really built up hype and wanted to be seen as social movements and both of them had this hollowness at their centre that you were talking about with Joker. Yeah. Mm. I think Joker is worse than Booksmart, but Booksmart, yeah. like, I just felt really condescended to. Yeah. yeah. And, like, people were telling me, like, this is like you, right? You're a teen girl, right? This is how you talk. Yeah, so, yeah. And everyone like, talks look at the them same. Yeah. Silly, goofy dancing, um, all these yeah. crazy yeah. wacky yeah. kids. It, it also just does a lot of, like, mm. Booksmart does a lot of... Um, like the greatest hits of what, because you know, Olivia Wilde's been open about being like, oh, I was trying to make our generations like Clueless or Breakfast Club yeah, and stuff. And yeah. I was like, Rack you're off. really trying to do that with things that <laughs> yeah. are now like overdone tropes. A big yeah, one is like, like, I hate Malala. that. It's like, shut yeah, up. I hate like, that. Um, I hate the drug trip scene. That like, was yeah. such a broad city it's so, exactly. I'm like, I'm like everyone's city. done that now. Really? Um, one of my big ones with, with Booksmart is it looks too good. Like <laughs> it's so, the cinematography is like, Really, like it looks like an A twenty four movie. It looks like yeah, a really in does. a way that detracts you from the film. Like it oh, doesn't. So, yeah, all the jokes saying. are like, um, so that happened. And you're like, this yeah, isn't. Like, why does this look like that? <laughs> it also just has, um, I think there's good direction at points, but it does so many weird like, it 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 misdirects you at every turn. There's so many moments where I'm like, what a great. Oh, that the the direction here is providing us with a piece of information that's going to lead down a really cool road, mm. and then you're like, mm. oh no, it's not like. We just so many. We should always say spoiler alert, but we just we spoil things on this thing. Whatever. Um, in the bit where they're fighting, the two best friends are fighting at the party. God, what is that? In so the mean. background, yeah. there's a really cool directorial choice that gradually the phone lights start lighting up because they're oh, being recorded. Everyone's recording, and you're like, oh no, everyone's recording. Oh no, that's yeah. where the plot is going next because that's the visual information that's being relayed yeah. to me. But and then, then it's so inconsequential. It is inconsequential. It doesn't matter at all. And yeah. you're like. Why? Yeah, um, wow, you guys have both turned yeah. me. I gave oh, this an honorable mention, but now I think about it, I'm like, no. It, you're right, though. It is. It like has fun. good elements. I think I just had like fun watching Beanie it. Beanie is so great. Um, the performances yeah. and, and the uh, female friendship, the like main story, I thought it was successful. Yeah, yeah, and they were very likable, and I think that's what they would sort of. But I think both me. movies throughout them, a lot of the time, if you tried to answer why is this happening to something on screen, it was because it's cool. Yeah. Like, 
They yeah. didn't tie in. They didn't, they didn't come away from the movie with we, more information. Yeah, want to go and on also, it. they were cheeky. They knew that people didn't want a one crazy night movie, so they tried to advertise it like it wasn't, and yeah. then you watch the movie and you're like, it's this is a one crazy night movie. You're trying to be super bad, just like good boys are trying to be super bad. You're all weak super and you make your own fucking super film. Super bad with boys. Fuck you, Booksmart. So <laughs> all right, Booksmart is cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> with that, let's get on to our top eighth film of 2019. Okie dokie, it's time. I don't know why I said that. Um, it's so sweet. For, uh, <laughs> so like elbows on the podcast. I was just trying to think like how, how can we keep going? Yeah, we have to keep thinking of cute, fun ways to bring us back into new numbers. Anyway. Mm, I might do my math. Um, so we're up to number eight. Yeah. Number eight on my uh, top ten list is The Farewell. It is a comedy drama. Didn't say um, The Farewell. Written, oh, no. It's written, um, it's written and directed by Lulu Wang. And it um, is derived from an episode of This American Life, which is like a really good podcast and it's my favourite podcast and it's like everyone's favourite podcast. Um, and it just like tells the story. Everyone, really? Oh, it's like, it's not like the number one podcast. What about this podcast? Oh, whoops, we're a podcast. No, I hate this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it follows the um, story of, is it Billy? Billy, yeah, this like writer who has a really close relationship with her nai which is like her grandma, who lives in China and it is sort of her observing um, this like custom of where you like don't tell your um, aging and like dying grandparents that they're passing on or like they have a terminal illness or whatever, just out of respect for them. Um, And it's her like grappling with that. And I thought that Aquafina's um, performance was really good. Really good. I don't like her especially just because I feel like Aww. she does like... I sound kind of like her now. Oh, my God. Yeah, I like her <laughs> now. You do, you do sound like her. I've kind of missed the Aquafina thing. Like, That's what so is it beyond She was just... This. She started up as a she sort of turned She was like this show. funny, like, SoundCloud rapper. And what are her moves? Well, like, like, like Crazy Ocean's A? Crazy yeah. Asians and... Um, She's had a pretty quick come up. What's it called? Just um, someone that I feel like I'm like, I missed... Yeah, Ocean's Ocean's A. Yeah, and in those I was just kind of like, whatever. Like, this is a non-event for me. But this was a really... Good, like it's it's sort of um categorized as a comedy drama, but like this hit really hard for me. <laughs> Noah, stop interrupting me. <laughs> yeah, you're getting sick too. This is great. <coughs> this is just like you just coughed into we're the recording microphone. in a retirement home. <laughs> oh my god. Um, sorry. Yeah, I love this movie. Sorry, sorry. I thought this was a really good one. Um, it didn't it didn't like blow me out of the water. Um, and I know that a lot of me liking it is coming from a place of just like loving the episode of the podcast that um, this is derived from. But yeah, that's my number eight. Yeah. I liked it a lot too. It's cute. I saw it with our cousin Hannah and she she was like, thought it was one of her favourite of the year movies. Uh, Hannah. Hey. Shout out to <laughs> Hannah. We stand, Hannah. We stand, Hannah. Yeah. Noah, get a grip. <coughs> Are you okay? I'm all good. <laughs> I swallowed my tea badly. I'm so sorry about all of my weary coughing. <laughs> Maybe I need to be visited by Dr. Sleep. Oh, my God. My number eight, a film that will be higher on my list than on anyone else's. Yep. You may have also noticed that I now am three. Like, this list is still only horror films. God. It'll change soon, don't worry. My number eight is Dr. Sleep. Um, 
this a big part of this. I think there are a lot of factors. I've been having big fights this weekend with my girlfriend about <laughs> like she'll be like, "You didn't care about that film when you saw it, something blah blah blah," and I'll be like, "This was a film where she was like, oh, that has to be high on your list. You loved that film yeah. because there are big lots of factors that go into this list. It's um, the quality of the film. Like some films on this list, I'm not very passionate about, but I recognize that mm. I'm like that's like the best, like a, a terrific film. It's personal experience." like your personal relationship to the style of the genre or whatever and the cinematic experience, like what the audience was like kind of thing. I saw this in Sydney by myself at 11 PM in an empty, enormous theater. (laughs) Truly so spooky. And um, not only was I in the perfect mood for a movie like this, it reflects all of my favorite things about Stephen King that I briefly mentioned with it. Chapter two that are overlooked Stephen King's strength, yes, he is an incredible horror writer, but he, like, you understand his characters so deeply that you know where the horror comes from and how it serves them. Um, You know, Dr. Sleep does the most incredible juggling work from one of my favourite directors, Mike Flanagan, who directed my probably one of my favourite TV shows of all time, Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. And he just he has done so many movies, literally every one of his movies I love. Mm-hmm. Um. He does an incredible juggling work of uh, The Shining. The book is about alcoholism and about like regret and shame and what it is to be a parent and know you're not doing like you're doing the wrong thing and know that you're hurting other people. Yeah. Uh, it cares about its character. Stephen King cares about his characters. Stanley Kubrick does, stares, not, does, does not give a fuck. The one thing that he gives no shit about is character work. Like yeah. he cares about deep human, like elemental themes. Like, that's what The Shining, the film, is about. And this film does the most incredible work of marrying those two things to me. I think um, I, I think that the way that it speaks about how Danny Torrance has grown up and, like, the deep trauma that he has and how he is, you know, inheriting the sins of his father mm. is so exciting. Um, I think it has one of the most exciting third acts of the year. And it has a scene that I was so, so close to calling my best scene of the Whoa, year. Oh, you said wow. it was going to be your I really thought it was going to be because Ooh. we'll talk about that that when we get to it. But there's a beautiful again spoilers. There's a beautiful scene that um, marries the beautiful visual ideas that Stephen uh, that Stanley Kubrick introduced in the film about um, the way that Lloyd the bartender mm. works uh, and the way that the ghosts inhabit the Overlook Hotel. Mm. Um, and it's it's just so powerful to see a cinematic masterpiece um, brought back. You see a new director playing in the sandbox of a cinematic masterpiece and really taking thematic ideas from it uh, that can apply it back to the characters in a way that the original uh, film didn't. Um, and I also think that's really spooky. I actually think like the horror ideas are dope. It makes some possibly really silly things like um, smoke vampire ghost people. They're like, let's vape this kid's Literally, soul. they kill people with vape. Um, they, <laughs> I find them really scary. And I absolutely loved Dr. Sleep. I really oh, did. And hey. I'm really sad at um, how it performed because I think... Oh, did it really underperform? It did. Um, mm. Well, they, they didn't greenlight it until It Chapter One was such a hit. Oh, but um, right. it was a big part of... There was like a few weeks there where Hollywood was fucking shitting themselves because Dr. Sleep... Uh, fucked up. Charlie's Angels did so badly, and another property film did really badly. Mm, well. I can't remember. But three of them flopped, like very close together. Yeah, Doctor Sleep is my number eight. Interesting. Cool. Uh, my number eight is 
The Irishman, which we already talked the at Irishman. length about. The Irishman. The Irishman. Sorry for saying it in a weird accent. Yeah. Yeah. That's on my list too. I just like this movie more alive. and more the more I think about it. Mm. What a bop. And like by this point, I know it's long, but by this point, the length of it feels like a comfort to me. Yeah. I'm like, I would just have this on in the background. Yeah. Because the character work is so strong. The character work. And it's this immersive little world of regret and grief Guilt and, and grown old. Yeah. You know what makes Loyalty. me sad? Yeah. Eliza and I always used to be the ones in Meg's presence that were like, yeah, what's the Scorsese thing? Like, what's with mob movies? You know? Like, you always like, I yeah, Goodfellas ain't that good. Movie. We were like, huh. we don't get it and stuff. And now I'm alone. <laughs> Wait, if you're still not movie. a big smarty stan? Um, my favourite Martin Scorsese film was Cape Fear okay, by a thousand miles. Like, yeah, which is like his weird movie. Which is his weird like horror yeah. film. He's like eighties and nineties phases. Yeah, um I recognise their greatness just yeah. Again, uh the Irishman's a big one where like I can't overcome that it isn't my It's a genre you're not crazy about. Yeah. yeah. We talk about I was saying we're gonna talk a bit in part two about like the direction that we want the show to go and stuff. And one of the Ooh. things that we've been talking about is like how much us three attach to like this thing isn't my kind of film and stuff. Yeah, you we know, I want to. Yeah, I think we should. But um, I do recognize like Irishman is an incredible film. Just yeah, there was I can't deny there's a bit of a distance between the content and and me. Right, fair enough. I just think like I'm so proud of Martin Scorsese. Yeah. He's this ancient, crusty little baby Yoda man, and he still is committed <laughs> to making movies that deconstruct. The themes and ideas that he started in the yeah, 70s. Yeah, that he, like, beautiful. Yeah, he's pioneered. still committed to being like, actually, to I, now I have this it to say. And, yeah, yeah. and making completely different About kinds the exact of same, like, context. Yeah. And I keep on thinking yeah. about, like, he reflects so many ideas in The Irishman that are so mature and emotional and beautiful that are very, that are the exact shit that is misinterpreted by people like Todd Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, Taxi Driver would be so different now. Have you guys heard this urban legend about. Um, it's like one of the great Hollywood urban legends about Martin Scorsese during the, the editing and cutting of Taxi Driver. No. It made me really disrespect him, but equally go, well, I guess he's grown. It's what? exactly the kind of shit that like people go oh my like God, just tell us what self-important happened. dudes being like, <laughs> oh, my masterpiece. Um, he was cutting Taxi Driver and he sent the studio the cut and they were like, oh, you have to like cut lots of this to make it. Like, otherwise it's an NC-17. So and he changed the red. Urban legend has it. Yeah, but before, exactly, he... So, like, legend has it that he sat in their cutting bay with a gun all night long and was like, I'm going to go to the studio head's office and kill him. And it was a button. And, like, he told all of his movie friends and they all came in a span of, like, a few hours, like, one by one coming in, convincing him not to, until until he had the idea to change the colour grading to make the red look less bright and vibrant in the final um, I thought uh, it was massacre. that he amped up the red so you can't even yeah. see the blood. Oh, there you go. Like, Maybe do that. I can't remember. Yeah, it's just a red hallway and you can't see anything. And then he uh, gave it in and then they gave it the the cut. And I was like, that makes me disrespect you so much that you're like, oh, my piece of art is being disrespected. (laughs) But now I'm like, you know what? No, he's grown to be like, fuck dudes that are just like, yeah. All like where, where, where about themselves and like the gross little scenes. Yeah, and like why can we be sensitive about the when, ego and stuff? Yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And it's funny. This is one thing we didn't get to oh, really this say in the movie, podcast. It's this movie funny. is hilarious. The funniest bit. If you mention Al Pacino, I in love it. It's He's so funny. funny. There's he this is bit so funny. where Al Pacino You've already gets told this charged. story in complete full. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> tell the other one. Tell the one where he um he it looks like he's oh he's like his fucking father's oh his fucking father's his fucking 
Fathers. It's so yeah. good. That's a great bit. Yeah. Oh, mum's going to hate that I bit. did not believe <laughs> Sorry, that I had already Sorry, told Dad. that. Like spoke yeah. about that scene and I could not remember. Yeah, when I was two minutes into Makes the movie, you walked into the room to tell me about that bit that I it's hadn't so gotten funny. up to yet. It's funny. <laughs> Makes yeah, comedy sorry. of the year. Watch out, Seth Rogen. Yeah, anyway, those are our number eights. citizens of the Twin Pickersphere. Thank you so much for inviting me along to talk. Uh, rather than being abused by my kids for being old and a bit of a fuddy-duddy, uh, wanted to apologise to everybody out there for your bruised eardrums, for all the F-bombs and C-bombs that my kids deliver. I don't know where that actually came from. Okay, probably came from me, but... In my defence, it was always in the setting of a stressful situation. I didn't use either of those F-bombs to accentuate anything I was trying to say. Yeah, so ap- apologies to everybody out there, particularly all the aunts and uncles. Uh, absolute pleasure to meet Anthony face-to-face, legend behind the scenes. I see my kids every day, but I've only heard Anthony's voice in the past. So nice to meet you, Anthony. Uh, proud of my kids for doing all of this. Proud of the Twin Picks. Yep. And it's, I spent a lot of time travelling, listening to podcasts, and it helps me while my time away. So favourite movies. Uh, I'm renowned for falling asleep in the movie pretty much as soon as it starts. So I couldn't really tell you how many movies end, but I like a lot of the starts of movies. Uh, this year I've had a lot of much more Netflix series, I've got to say. Uh, but if I had to pick a movie that I've enjoyed from this past year, it would be Tim Winton's Breath. Uh, read the book years ago. Loved it. Always wondered how it would come out if it was if it was televised. If it was if a film was made about it. Uh, looked forward to seeing what the characters were going to become and seeing the movie. Pretty much lived up to those expectations. Um, it was I think Breath was reminiscent for me. Just yeah, fairly beachy people love the sea and the and the sun and all the rest and takes me back to my surfer dude days just riding those big ass waves off the coast of <laughs> off, off off Margaret River you know, salt through my hair and all that beach blonded hair uh, so that was a movie that I didn't actually fall asleep in got to see the end of it yeah yep love breath and loved talking about it with my kids afterwards thanks for having me on Twin Peaks Seven. I have decided to go with um, 
I don't know. I, I actually don't know what made me pick this one because I wasn't taken with it the first time I watched it. But the more <laughs> I've seen it three times, like all your top ten so far, you've been like, it was not good, but yeah. Yeah. it really was a really bad it. film in every sense. <laughs> but as a but movie, I love it. <laughs> um, I went with the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, I is love this year. Yeah. Oh my Whoa. god, that's crazy. I know. I love that movie too. I know. Oh, unless it's not this year. I feel like it's not. No, we watched it last year after oh, we helped Emily do the proposal stuff. That's okay. You know what? Oh, I was convinced that it was this year. It's okay. I think oh. I'll just, just maybe because did I watch it last year or this yeah, year? Anthony, God, back me. It was in my honorable mentions next All last right, year. I'm subbing year. it out then. For another film just, that I completely forgotten about. Can I do that? <laughs> that actually just slips, slips into that. Yeah, I'm subbing. Do you want a minute? What if you we'll do ours and by the time we get to you... you no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good to go. Oh, what? And it just happens to be your number seven. Yeah, number seven. It's under the silver lake. Fuck you guys. Wait, you saw this movie? Yeah. Oh, God, okay. Why? Nothing. I love that movie. I loved it. Two. <laughs> oh, my God. This is my number seven When now. did you see okay. it? Um... I don't know. But it says it's 2018 as well. I saw it this year. My list is real Maybe basic I saw this it year. last year. Meg, my grasp of time is very confused. Megani, the people demand a succinct, measured, well-prepared podcast. You know what? Under the Silver Lake only came out in cinemas here this year. Yes, that's, that's why. Okay, yeah, go, yeah. okay go later. So, later. Under Pick the Silver away. Lake, I'm back on my shit. <laughs> I loved this movie. Um, I thought... Um, as far, it's directed by David Robert Mitchell. Sorry, I didn't say. Um, and it, it just like, it's Andrew Garfield who I really like and I really like him in this role. Um, I think it challenges him in a really good way and I think it's interesting because I don't think I've seen him in a role save for, um, what is it, Never Let Me Go. Oh, yeah. Like this film and Never Let Me Go are his best performances for me. What about and they seem to really challenge network? him. I like him in The Social Network but it's I don't think he's doing as like much. Like uh. this feels like a... Big role. He, like, doesn't carry the film. It's a good film on its own, but, like, he really stood out for me. Um, and I like that it wasn't – you know how there's this, sort of like, seems to be a bit of a tendency with films where it's, like, following the disappearance of someone or whatever to, like, really, um, I don't know, be a bit, like, vitriolic or have this real sort of fetishization or whatever. And its film doesn't necessarily, like, shy away from that, but it also – isn't like glorifying it like it sort of is this weird thing it's this weird conspiracy like thrilling world and I don't know I really liked it um I have I didn't realize I had as much to say about it as I because I just thought <laughs> I of mean, it but I, yeah yeah I reckon it was like my favorite movie of last year well, it's this to, year. It's this year Sorry, film. I forgot to include it on the list. This I was year, so I guess. sure it was going to be your number yeah. one because you kept saying it was your number one it came it out in America no on, I consider it in April this it yeah. came out in America in April of this year uh, it's a this well, year film. No, it says 2018 here. It's had a really torturous release. Yeah, so and it was really hard to watch in Australia. <laughs> like, I found it really terrible. hard to, like, get to see. Um, I think another thing, though, I think we're bound to kind of like it because it has the whole, like, pop culture thing. Yeah. Like, it's really, like, heavy on the nods to this and that. It's, yeah, like an L.A. noir and it references all the other great L.A. noirs, especially yeah. really weird postmodern ones. Like yeah, Mulholland like Drive, Mulholland, yeah. Yeah. Which mm. is great. I loved it. That's my seven. <laughs> Stun. My number seven is a film that probably one of the ones in this list that got thrown up and down the most for me. But I think I'm pretty comfortable with it. At my number seven is what I think will be a lot of people's number one. And if there's any justice in the world, uh, the Best Picture winner Ooh. at the Dumb Little Oscars, Parasite. Okay. Oh. 
Love Parasite. Mine's um, a lot it won't higher win up. An Oscar. It won't win Best Picture. No, it won't. Yeah, it'll get foreign, but yeah, you never know. Um, Bong Joon-ho, I'm a big fan of his work. I like Snowpiercer is one of my films of the decade probably. I wow. absolutely love it. And I love this film, I think, of the um, – of the trio of, as we spoke about, of uh, rich people can get fucked thing uh, films, it's the strongest. I think, um, I think it is a success on so many different levels. I think, uh, like the most recurring thing you hear about people when they walk out of it is that it feels like, in the best possible way, it's like three different films. Like it feels like a cheeky, like almost like heist crime thing. It feels like a disaster movie. It feels like a horror film. Um, and it is just so memorable and uh, and very, I, I think it's characters, it, it does the really effective thing of its characters aren't good people, but you like associate with them so deeply. And uh, Eliza's pointed it out before, like the whole film is reflected perfectly in its... Um, in, in that bit where, you know, they talk about how, you know, they're like, oh, I feel so bad that we're scheming against, like, this family and stuff because they're so nice to us. And then the mother's like, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I would be nice too if I had the luxury yeah, of being luxury able to of be nice. nice yeah. And it's just about that. Um, Do you want to hear something absolutely wild, zany and off the wall? Yeah. Yes. I'm Parasite ready. is also my number seven. Oh, yeah, like that. ranking. How That's so exciting. That? Yeah, let's talk about Parasite. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, tell, tell, yeah. What, what, do you, what do you think of Parasite? <laughs> yeah, I think like this movie has had so much positive buzz and I've talked heaps about its classist storyline, which I think is pretty successful. Hmm. But I think by now, like the thing I'm taking away from it the most is um, how it's an exercise in empathy. Like it's the story of like this really like well-to-do super bougie family and a working class family that are literally, like, living in a gutter, basically. Yeah. And, like, um, you know, what are they called? Extermination people. Like, they get, like, bug sprayed into their house and they're like, oh, sick, like, this is great, this will clean our home, let's stay in here while, like, Like the bug spray's coming in. This movie is not very subtle about what it has to say about class, but I think the way Bong um, encourages you to empathise with both families... Completely. In yeah. ways that are still yeah. really clear-eyed as to their faults and seeing like, wow, everyone can be a shithead. Yeah. <laughs> what a revelation. Yeah. And, <laughs> this this, and also just too. that awesome perspective that this system and structure actually doesn't support anyone as well as the rich. Like it means that we all have like our sins and weaknesses yeah. in this structure that like actually just supports us all hating each other and like working against each yeah, other. Yeah, and really does pit people against one another. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, we've already said there are a bunch of movies out about, like, class that had this really warped, like, black comedy sensibility. And I think it's just because people in 2019, we really need movies like this that, um, especially with, like, the UK and US elections yeah. and, like, people ragging on billionaires is starting to be, like, a real yeah. topic in both of those elections yeah. being, like, why are there some people that are insanely rich? Yeah. Like, yeah. should that exist? I think yeah. it's an interesting triple feature in the sense that, uh, as you as you said, Parasite's about empathy, uh Ready or Not is the more, for a black comedy, it is more just that thing of, like, they no die. empathy, they deserve <laughs> death, yeah, and, like, yeah. no one should have yeah. that level of wealth and privilege. And uh, the strength of um, Knives Out is that it's a film about kindness. Like, we didn't really yeah. talk about that. That's where that film's strength lies, yeah. and that it rewards all of Ryan Johnson, wonderful boy. All his films are about kindness and so about cute. understanding. <laughs> like, that's yeah. actually what the thematic heart is of that film. And I think I yeah. like that Parasite doesn't necessarily condemn, like, the wealthy family for being ignorant 
of like the poverty. What else were they meant to be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's sort of what it's saying. Yeah. It's like, yeah, They're so molly. Like they sound stupid and like they have no idea what's going on because they don't. And why should they? They live in their protected little house and their gated area, whatever. Completely. Um, yeah. So yeah, I really liked it. That's Those number are our seven. number seven. Was that number seven? Was yeah, seven. seven. Damn, we're getting there. Woo. My oh sorry the next segment as I was <laughs> this category again. is like half the reason I go see movies. <laughs> <laughs> this category we've decided to call shit but good. Yeah. So this is movies that we know logically they are bad. Yeah. But you had a beautiful time watching it and it added to your year. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. be shit but she be good. Yeah. Is shit but is good. And so you're walking away from it. You're going yeah that didn't like. No, you walk away from being like, that was an awesome fucking time. But I had fun. Yeah. Well, my film that was shit but good was Hustlers. I think lots of people were shit. You thought it was just shit. I think like it didn't do anything groundbreaking and it wasn't as if I was in there being like, this is such a great film. But I had a fun time with it. the soul of shit but good. Well, I couldn't. (laughs) This is so hard, you guys. It's because you see. We're attacking your choices. No, I think it's because you're so prestige, Meg. You don't dabble in the pits. Am I a snob? (laughs) <laughs> no, I think you got. I think, I think we're all pretty Yeah, we're all pretty. We run a podcast where we tell people what movies to watch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just thought Hustlers like it wasn't as, like I went into it and like everything it did. I was like, yeah, of course it did that. Um, I have commonly heard people be like, I me. was told that Hustlers would be like prestige Oscar stuff, and it felt kind of dumb, but it still did have the quality of the time I was expecting from yeah. the like more like prestigey thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, fair. Yeah, sorry, that's it. That's no, love. <laughs> My ship a good film. I had a few picks. Yeah. I'm so torn. I was really close to saying you might have heard little pop in there and my honourable mentions was Hellboy 2019, which is a film that... You are is, the only person I've talked to that likes that movie. I know. It's shit but good. It's so much fun. Like, I don't I don't want to get into that conversation because I will literally go for so long. I want to get into the conversation about a film called Child's Play that was shit but good. Mm. Yeah. That is a dumbass film. And you know what? I saw it in a double feature with another film about sentient toys called Toy Story 4. I had a better time with Child's Play. Child's Play is a remake, of course, of the 1988 film of the same name. Um, And it was the weirdest, like, it had the weirdest plotting of any film this year. Like, the way that the plot happens is fucking bizarre. It's all about, like... What if Chucky had the cloud? (laughs) Literally, obviously, just thinking, like, let's make it techno and cool and futuristic and stuff. And, um... Which is dumb because, like, actually, it's not dumb because it adds to the shit but goodness of, like, <laughs> the reason that people love the Chucky franchise is because, like, it's a doll and it's saying all these crazy things that has this crazy evil personality. It, it, you know, it's a doll that's being like, I want to fucking kill you, bitch, and stuff. Yeah. Whereas He's this rude. doll, this doll, it's like, it's like serious, so it doesn't do that. It's just like, am I not supposed to kill? And, stuff, <laughs> and you're like, well, that isn't fun. And it's voiced by Mark Hamill, so you're always just yeah. like, that's weird. Um. And just the plot is so weird. The way that, like, the trajectory of the story happens, it's so dumb and not based in logic that you actually never know what's going to happen next. Mm. It's great. I had yeah. a great fucking time. Aubrey Plaza is not a convincing mom. And it's Aww. awesome. Yeah, she looks like I his big sister. Plaza. She looks like his big sister, yeah. And she's, like, a horrible mom and stuff. Yeah. And she has this, like, gross boyfriend that's, like, 48 years old. That is a great her. thing about bad movies, that when something is, like, 
competently made. You kind of know what's going to happen, but sometimes a movie can be so bad, you literally don't know what's going to happen. That's this film's biggest strength. And it's strength. so thrilling. Exactly, because you're like, I literally have no idea what dumb choice you're going to make next because happen. nothing has been based in the way humans react. Like, literally, <laughs> it's all about the kids, like, realising that Chucky has killed someone and they're like... Trying to cover it it's up. It's like tossing yeah. the head around they like a like, hot potato, being like, yeah, what should we put? Yeah. yeah, they put it in a box and they actually like, give it as a gift. And it's like so weird. So yep. Watch Child's Play. It's really, watch it very drunk. It's really <laughs> good. God. What's your my, size? my shit, but good is, oh, I really, I don't know what I'm going to choose between Pokemon Detective Pikachu no. and Alita Battle Angel. I love both these movies. Alita Battle Angel is more shit but good. Yeah, I didn't see Detective it. Pikachu is more. It's too boring. It's too boring. It's just cute the whole time, and yeah. then it's like. But he's what's wrong with that? He makes me want to scream. Nothing's funnier scream. than it, the, the plot twist being it was Ryan Reynolds the whole time. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, yeah. Both of these movies, I think. I also love you Gemini Man. You have to Man. pick one. Okay. I really want to see if Gemini Man. I must Man. pick one. My favourite of the three is Alita Battle Angel. Yeah, that's the good ship choice. Good. I was tossing up between that one as well because I love they're all three movies. Gemini Man, Detective Pikachu, and the best one, Alita Battle Angel, they all had, they were all really bombastic, crazy Hollywood CGI fests, mm. but the CGI was super distracting and upsetting <laughs> in all of them and made these really uncanny characters that oh just distracted God. you from any of the movie's quality. <laughs> the hubris of Alita Battle Angel is very funny to me as well. It's very like... This is the beginning of a long, long franchise and journey <laughs> that we're all going to take together. Look at this epic film we've made. And they're, and they're like, like no. <laughs> Everyone's like, she's scary. <laughs> yeah, That's I just funny. love that it had like CGI, maybe unintentionally scary. Like, is she meant, do you think we're meant to really empathise with her? Yeah, the big eyes are supposed to be a big, beautiful window into a big, beautiful soul. Yeah, yeah. I feel like she's meant to look a bit creepy, so that is kind of successful. But then it also has like in the story a lot of cool body horror of like, CGI people getting ripped apart, and I like that. That was cool. That that set piece in the like that the weird like rollerball rink thing is very oh, cool. Oh god, so dumb. Loved it. Loved it. That's a good pick. Good Yay. double Shit, crack but on. Good. Shit, but good. Now let's get onto our number six oh. and good. Oh. <laughs> it's your sixth favorite movie. It's, so <laughs> it's, it's probably it's good. good. It's good. <laughs> Time for number six. My sixth um, of my top ten of the year is High Life. Um, it is a science fiction film directed by Claire Denis. It's her English language debut. It stars um, Robert Pattinson in a huge role. I love this man so much um, and I loved this film. Um, aesthetically, it's um, there, there's something very – like it has a very delicate sensibility about it. Um, it's super sensitive to like, um, I don't know, almost like the claustrophobia um, of the of the set, like the spacecraft that they're on. Sorry, I haven't said anything about the plot. It's set on a, um, it's set on a, um, it's like a prison space, prison spaceship. Yeah, and they've sent this like group of criminals who are all serving death sentences. Um, Do you say serving death sentences? I think so. I don't know. Um, and they are like treated like guinea pigs in this weird you know, alternative reality kind of thing. And yeah, Pattinson does some heavy lifting and I love it. Um, as well, I like, I'm not, I, I'm always conscious of the fact that I feel like films that are this kind of like dystopic or science fiction or really heavy in that like, you know, Margaret Atwood kind of style can get very caught up in their like 
profoundness or whatever. Mm. And I didn't feel that in this film. I didn't feel like it was trying to tell me, like it, it wasn't telling you what to think about it. Um, it was well written, um, especially in its moments of like silence. It wasn't mm. like uncomfortable in silence. Like it was fine to just like go without saying a lot. And I loved that. And yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I actually considered putting it um, higher up on my list. Oh. But yeah, that's where it landed for me just because I hadn't, I had, I going through, I hadn't thought of it when I was going through like what the movies of this year were that I'd seen. Hmm. Um, I hadn't I remembered it as a movie of this year. So that's the only reason why it's like not higher up for me. Um, I thought I would yeah. love it so much more. It really didn't, like, love it. didn't do it for me. Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know. That's like, interesting. Saying it's like a space movie with that cast, like Mia yeah. Goth and Julia yeah. Binoche. Yeah. Oh my God. And it's all win. about like bodily fluids. I was like, yeah, let's do let's it. Let's go. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't latch onto it very much. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm loving that Sorry. all of our lists really reflect our um, like personal taste and stuff. I think it's very yeah, cool. Seriously. As any good top ten list should. Yeah. Um, my number. What do we have? Two six. 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 Mm. My number six. It's Black Christmas. It's my most um, underrated for the year. Uh, nice. Already spoken extensively about it, but yeah, again, I went in hoping that I would have a great, fun, pulpy, actiony, like gory time. I had that, and I also was fucking furious and fuming mm. at the circumstances that these women found themselves in, in the world that they were in and how much it reflected the world I live in and the things that I see around me. And I thought, as well as being dumb, awesome, gory and all of those things, I genuinely think people will have conversations after it that will probably start out with something quite light because the film has been light. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, guys mm. be like, oh, that was dumb, you know? Like, it was really gory and funny and stuff, haha. How about all that weird, you know, there'll they'll be like offhand comments, you know? Yeah. Whereas with Get Out, you go in and you're like, let's have some talks, you know? Like, you don't talk that much about the crazy mm, yeah. washing and mm. stuff. Yeah, literally. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, loved it. Loved it. Ooh. Black Christmas is my number six. Yay. Damn. My number six is Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory. I thought it was ah. so good. I think this movie had the best movie kiss of the year. It's like... It's really gorgeous, romantic. Ooh, I love that. Cool. Yeah, really thoughtful. Kisses are hard as well to like get right <laughs> in a film. I mean, in life too. Sure. <laughs> but like you know, you can so often feel like it, it's, it's like forced or something. Forced or overly like yeah. soppy or whatever. Soppy yeah. eel. This movie just rules. It's almost. It has a memoiry feel. Like it stars Antonio Banderas, and love. he's playing kind. He's kind of playing Almodovar. The movie's about this director who's riddled with, like, physical pain. Like, he has chronic pain and fatigue and stuff. Yeah. Which the movie tells you through this cool animated sequence. And the movie's about him in this kind of Fellini-esque way, looking back on his life, his childhood, mm. his mom Penelope Cruz and the stuff she had to sacrifice to bring him up. Mm. And he gets back in touch with one of his former actors and they get hooked on heroin. Mm. And mm. everything ends up way more optimistically and way more, you know, this really wholesome... That's nice. Really thoughtful way. And I thought, like, I don't know how they, he made this movie without it seeing wanky or indulgent. Like, yeah. It's so, I think, honest. Because it says a lot? Or yeah, I don't know. I think just because it's a guy basically being like, oh, I've been through so much. Yeah. How, like, it's like Look at looking where at the I've world through from. his artist's yeah. eyes. Like, it could have been so, yeah. like, overbearing. But, and, uh, yeah, I think it's... It's a great, like, late period Almodovar where some of his other movies, I think, have felt indulgent. Mm. I don't know why this one doesn't, but mm. I thought it felt very authentic and really sexy. It was a great movie. Cool. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, now we're moving into our final segment for part one. Woo. Yay. 
let's finish off this segment by talking about the best scene in any one film we saw this year. Wow. Big one. Yeah. Actually so intense. Wow. I reckon we'll have a similar one. Yeah. Possibly. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Do you want to kick things off, Meg? Okay. My favourite scene from any film I saw this year is from Marriage Story. Hey, yeah, I knew me, it. Me Yay. too. <laughs> me too. The oh, no. fight scene? Yeah, the fight scene the from Marriage Story. The fight scene really? is just so good. Oh, cool. oh my what god. A masterclass it of so is, many things. Oh it is god. the most organic and like oh, I, I don't know how, but every single like punctuation is so like aggressively delivered in this way that it's so deliberate. And I've never ever ever seen acting like that. Like I've never seen like Adam Driver delivering his lines with such pain in it and like even after like it's just so like it's so intense and you hear them going back and forth and you can hear this hate and then the regret coming out from that discussion and like Mm. it's just and I I don't like Scarlett Johansson that much as an actress I'm not that taken with her usually like she's so good in this scene so interesting because I've seen a lot of criticism of the scene where they're like you know like there was this big Twitter meme of people being like wow, this is all scripted. Like they didn't improvise this. And yeah. then everyone's like, yeah, that's filmmaking. That's like, filmmaking, yeah. Everything's from a script. I think the thing that everyone highlights is that, oh, I never say it right, Baumbach. Baumbach. Baumbach? Baumbach. God, whatever. <laughs> no, Baumbach, whatever. He Baumbach? Baumbach? Baumbach. Baumbach. Noah? Whatever. Uh, Baumbach. <laughs> Noah. <laughs> Noah B. He, um... Yeah, he, like, apparently is very, like, a real stickler for, like, like leaving in, like, a pause and, like, he'll be like, no, there's a stutter there, like, you have to stutter, mm. um, stuff like that. So I think that's what everyone's, like, har- like harping on about. But yeah. this scene, there's something so, like, visceral about it um, and then it, it, like, devolves into this, like, weird sort of mourning for, like, the relationship that they had and it is such a good, like sort of a, a point for the film to climax. Like it's such a good sort of balancing of the film. Yeah. It almost like acts as this like like intersection between like where they were, where they go. Completely, it's yeah. Fantastic. I was I was gonna say my um favorite part of my favorite scene of the year is that it it reflects all the best elements of its film in that as you said it feels like a high point. Um the big strength of the film that uh is so rare and what makes it so special is the empathy it has for its characters that it is a film about like every story has two sides it's a story about that like every means of conflict is just two people being unhappy like yeah they're both in their own way have been wronged so deeply and they both have such valid points i literally think so much about adam driver screaming like yeah. You put all this shit on me that I did to you, but you chose this yeah. life. Like yeah. you wanted you this. this. I didn't make you do shit. You wanted this until you didn't want yeah. this. Yeah. You wanted this until you didn't want this. And that's like, and how the, the way that like they move into that conversation so organically from being like, let's stop using lawyers and other people to speak for us. Yeah. It's literally so weird that it feels like a fight, but they both know that it's like a safe fight almost yeah. because they're like, this is literally just like we have so much built up stuff that at this point we're in a point where we know that we both fucked up and we know that we've both yeah. been in the right and we've both been in the wrong. Yeah. Um, masterclass of writing, masterclass oh, of performance. Writing. I the have fact been... that she um, ends all of her sentences with babe and then is like, like shit, sorry, oh, so I good. don't mean to call you that. Like, I that's have my been, bad. I've, I've been like real. This, this has been the biggest one this week for me to pick because mm. I've been having mm. big convos where I've been like, 
I want to give it to the scene in Doctor Sleep where D- Danny talks to the ghost of his dad through doing Lloyd the a bartender. Good Nicholson impersonation. Yeah, Henry mm. Thomas, little Henry Thomas, all grown up doing um, the little boy from uh, ET, all grown up playing Jack Nicholson. I wanted to possibly give it to you know something that reflects more my taste, the, the explosive, literally finale of Ready or Not. Mm. But I literally just can't walk away from the fact that. Marriage story, the best scene of it is a perfect marriage of so many incredible departments uh, in what is like such a strong, beautiful film. And at the moment, my like, this is a more like personal thing, but like moving into a more like form, like an unknown year where I'm like, because I've just graduated, I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen and stuff. (laughs) I am feeling very inspired at the moment by a lot of actors and performers Mm. and Andrew Scott. And oh. Adam Driver are God. big old inspirations to me at the moment. You're just saying and hot people. You're just saying hot people. You're just picking attractive people and saying their names. Yeah. <laughs> Why do? Well, did I do that? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. My best scene of the year is the fight in Marriage Story. Wow. Guys, I don't um, know if I liked it that much. I think like maybe it's because on Twitter people have really held it out as being like, this is true cinema. Uh, something about it I think is a little bit corny or like I think it doesn't feel organic. The fight? Yeah, sorry. How do you not think that fight feels like I feel like I see so much reality reflected in that fight. I don't think it's bad acting. I guess I I don't know. But there's there's bits I really like. Like when she's like, I can't believe I have to know you forever. Like, that's cool. But I just don't believe it as much as other stuff in the movie. Yeah. Like it feels like a big heightened climactic bit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But my best scene of the year is in a movie we've already talked about, is the scene in Parasite where the mm. old housekeeper returns to the house Yeah, and the movie kind of explodes out into... Oh, it's, it's so intense. <laughs> into a whole it's other so thing. Good. I feel like a bit like sick thinking about it. I remember yeah. seeing it in the cinema. cinema I was like, yeah. oh And everyone's just looking at each other like, wait, what's happening now? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. I think Bong has done this before where they'll throw in like a really unpredictable random thing happening that's either based in like sci-fi or mm. death or some crazy thing. And in this movie, it's so perfectly employed. It's like literally right in the middle of the movie when in most other movies, like the second act of a film is normally when the characters are doing the stuff you see them do in the trailer. Like if it's mm. a sport movie, they'll be like rising up the ranks and playing sport. If it's a comedy, it'll be where all the big set pieces are. Yeah. In this movie, the middle of the movie is when... Everything that has been established changes and you're like, oh, shit, what am I watching? Like, what is going to happen? Because the main characters realise that the old housekeeper who they have usurped and taken her place, her husband has been hiding (laughs) under the house and literally living like a parasite off the rich family. In this, like, bomb shelter. Yeah, Yeah. and that's a big spoil. (laughs) We've spoiled everyone. Yeah, sorry, guys. It's fine. They all know. But I have a feeling that when I rewatch the movie, I'll be as delighted as when I first saw it because it is dread-inducing. You're like, what's happening? And and it's also, I think, because it's not as if the film, like, relies on that that twist necessarily. Like, it doesn't feel like when you're watching it that you're like, this has to happen. Like, we have have to have a big twisty development. But then it comes through and it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Fair pick. I like it. Yes. Good pick, Harvey Feierstein. Well done. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> no, you know, yesterday my voice wasn't this bad and I kept doing Fran Drescher. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Now I'm like Do too destroyed. 
Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> That's kind of good. good. No, I can't even do that because my voice is so wrecked. Aww. Boring. I yeah. like your new voice. And you guys will get to hear more of it in next week's episode. <laughs> yeah, you will. Yes. Oh, stunning. We're, we're just going to keep on talking now, but we'll see y'all yeah. next week. For us, it'll be but seconds. But for you, it'll be in the new year, right? I hope the future is pretty cool, huh? We got flying yeah. cars out there, wow. fellas. How much has changed, but they live underwater. Oh, in 2020. Okay, cool. It's pretty fun. It's <laughs> a good song. Hey, see you next time for our top five movies. Yes. Twenty nine. More guests, more special segments, and all of the above. All the usual stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like and follow and all those things. Tell a friend about <laughs> us. Get in contact with us about what your uh, ranking looks like this year. Yeah, we'd um, love to hear really it. Really interested. And um, as always, you can email us with your suggestions or feedback or any of that stuff at twinpixpodcast at gmail.com.au? Yeah. Sorry, dot au? Yeah, cool. Um, no, it's just no, just dot com. There you go. Um, yeah. Thanks, team. Well, we'll we'll see you for part two for Yay. our yearly wrap-up. Yeah. Peace. Bye for now, but not forever. Remember Rollercoaster? Elliot on Rollercoaster? No. Uh, do you remember that show at the end of ABC? And there's this guy and he'd be like, bye for now, but not forever. And it was a roller coaster. That does sound familiar, actually. Yeah. Bye, bye for now, but not forever, everybody. Bye.